Hi, I'm referee Mark Fralick. Thanks for joining us for this episode number nine of the High School Basketball Referee Podcast. My guest today is 25-year-old Hannah Keller of St. Paris, Ohio. Hannah is a four-sport official. Here's a little bit of a rundown. She's a basketball official for 10 years and a member of the Miami Valley Basketball Officials Association and the West Central Basketball Officials Association, both located in Southwest Ohio. She's been a football official for seven years and is a member of the Southwestern Ohio Football Officials Association. She's been a softball official for six years and a baseball official for four years, also member of the West Central Ohio Baseball Softball Association. Hannah has worked women's college basketball for four years, and she's the first woman to officiate a high school football playoff game in the state of Ohio. All this at the age of 25. Amazing. I want to thank our major sponsor, PQ2 LLC, and its owner and fellow basketball official, Matt Kearns. Please visit pq-2.com and explore how Matt can help you and your business. And if you wanted to support this podcast, as I look to continue to improve the quality of the content, you can do so by buying me a cup of caramel apple cider. Go to anchor.fm backslash mark dash and click on the support button. From there, you can buy that caramel apple cider by selecting the $0.99 cent option, the $4.99 a month option, or the $9.99 a month option. I really appreciate you taking the time to do that. And also, thank you for taking the time out of your day to listen. I think you're really going to enjoy listening to this young official sound so mature. Enjoy the show. Well, that's quite a variety that we have with Hannah Keller, and uh, you've got a little bit of basketball, a little bit of football, a little bit of softball. You've got the quality tournament experience. You've got women's college basketball. That's quite a load for a 25-year-old. Yeah, I mean, um, you know, when you get started at a young age, you kind of, you just keep going. And um, through my experiences with college, you know, I officiated in college, um, and, and, you know, you just keep adding things people talk about you know the officiating bug and kind of getting bit by the officiating bug and um you want to add more sports on and that's just kind of what i've what i've done and what i continue to do and just being involved with the game um and uh you know working to to uh stay involved with with sports as i can well let's talk a little bit about before we enter the pregame talk a little bit about your dad and his impact on your officiating for those of you who don't know uh, hannah's dad mark has been a longtime basketball official as well and you have uh, also an uncle and you have um, your dad's cousin as well who also officiates so you've had some people that you've been able to see go out and do the job and I, i'm sure that your dad who by the way is a very very nice man uh, really enjoy officiating <laughs> with him and uh but you know what kind of an influence has he had on your officiating career wow well, i mean um i got started because of him uh he he was working some peewee games uh at, at our local high school and i would go shoot around after the games were over um 
you know, on Sundays. And so I was with him that day and his partner didn't show up. And, uh, you know, he threw me his, his, his shirt and said, hey, come out here. You know, you've watched me do this. You know what to do. Just you blow your whistle if you see something and call it. You know, and I went out there, and I remember I had my first foul, and he looked at me and said, hey, that was pretty good, you know, and um, it just kind of snowballed from there. When I turned 16 and was able to drive, he talked me into getting my license, and, uh, you know, he's always been a support system. Um, he supports me in everything that I do, but officiating uh, is definitely one of the big things. I remember, um, you know, him telling me he would help me get, get started in you know any sport I wanted to do and he might regret that now that I'm <laughs> four sports in but uh you know he he definitely has had a, a huge impact and especially early in my career you know when I, I kind of went off to college um you know he was still there he would come down and watch games I remember the first camp I attended he, he brought uh my iPad and videotaped me at camp so I could see uh what I did wrong you know and um He's, he's always been there, been a constant in my career for sure, and, and definitely had an impact. And he also videotaped to show you what you did right, too, correct? <laughs> yes, I apologize. I, I was young, though, Mark, so, you know, I, I uh, definitely did a lot of stuff wrong. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so the the podcast is broken up in se- into several segments. Those who know uh, have have listened to this know what the segments are. So we're going to go through the pregame first, and our pregame is brought to you by the great people at PQ2 LLC and basketball official Matt Kearns. Hey, ref! If your day job requires engineering thermoplastics. Connect with PQ2 LLC and have a thorough, candid, and honest pregame discussion about your next injection molding, extrusion, or blow molded project. Make the right call to PQ2 LLC. That's www.pq-2.com. So we begin with the pregame, and as officials do, we like to have a pregame to talk about some of the things that we need to know before the game starts. But uh, what I want to do is talk a little bit about your officiating journey. You talked a little bit about it uh, just a second ago because of your dad's influence, but let's talk a little bit about uh, how that has evolved over the years with, with that officiating. You started out, your dad brought you onto the court, you went to some of the camps, um, how old were you and, uh, were you still in high school when that happened? Yeah. Yeah. I was 16 when I got, well, when, when I worked with my dad that day, I think I was 14 or 15. Um, but I got licensed when I was 16. Did you play basketball? I did. I did. I played, uh, you know, through when I was younger, through middle school and into high school. Um, and then after my sophomore year, I stopped playing, and that's when I got licensed. And you are not a center. You're a guard, right? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, being uh, 5'2", you, you don't really play the center position much there. <laughs> uh, so do you remember your first game? I do. I do. Um, Ada Middle School, my dad went with me, uh, and I remember – I think my partner made me toss the ball and I remember tossing the ball and looking at him, you know, he like gave me a thumbs up. Like, yeah, good job. You know, you, you started right. And we didn't have many issues. Um, 
but I did have one call and I can't remember what it was, probably a foul. And I was getting all kinds of grief. And I remember I looked up and, you know, he gave me a thumbs up again. And so, uh, you know, that was a, a good experience and I'm glad he was able to be there with me. It's kind of my, Yeah, sometimes, you know, either the other official or our parents are the only support system or our spouses are our only support systems at the game. So it's nice to always have somebody to look up to and get a smiling face or a wink or something like that. How about your um, how about your first varsity game? When when was that? How long into your officiating career did you get that? And, And tell me a little details about it. I want to say it was my fourth year, maybe. Um, and again, I think it was with my dad uh, at Lincoln View High School. I want to say, um, and I just I can remember this whole three-man system. I had gotten uh, you know thrown into kind of doing that in some scrimmages with um, you know my dad and some other mentors I had young in my career. But uh, I remember just. I had some really some rotations and a few times I didn't go in the right spot, you know, but all in all, it was a good experience and, um, you know, positive and, and it made me want to do more and get better. Yeah. You talked about mentors. Who are some of the mentors that have been in your career? Yeah. Jeff Klaus uh, was a, a one early in my career. I remember him running up and down the basketball court with me, you know, yelling, blow your whistle or stand here. Um, Brandon Breach, uh, Bill Gephardt. I mean, those are some guys that really, when I really, really, when I started young, kind of, you know, pulled me um, along with them and taught me everything that they knew. And then when I went to college, I mean, Billy Willis, he's been uh, probably my my biggest mentor to date from a standpoint of he kind of helped me get from point A to point B. I was, what, two, no, three years in when I went to college. So, uh, you know, he helped me get connected to the right people, and um, you know, I was able to transition from different areas relatively easily, and and still be able to work games and stuff like that. And I, I mean, I've met countless officials, uh, you know, on my journey that has helped in one way or another. Um, Larry Clemens, he's a big football guy, um, absolute legend in the state of Ohio. I definitely, you know, see him as one of my mentors, just officiating in general. I mean, a lot of things that we do sport to sport transition and so um you know just being around those people have have for sure had an impact and helped me yeah and those are some good names you know jeff klaus he now owes me a uh, caramel apple cider since he got his name on the podcast <laughs> and uh <laughs> brandon Brees, uh, you know he's doing division one college basketball so yeah, those are absolutely. you know and, and phil gebhardt you know what a, a great mentor he would have been uh, as well i know he's moved out of state but he helped uh, i know me in in my career as well so that's uh, some three great officials that were able to guide you along early so that you you couldn't get a better uh, a better mentorship than that i guess i should throw my dad in there too and, yeah <laughs> and, right. <laughs> yeah i hope so right your dad would be happy to hear his name in there yeah, so since we're in the pregame, let's talk a little bit about some of the things that you cover in your pregames, especially when you're dealing with officials that you're unfamiliar with. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, your pregame sets the entire tone for the game. Um, you know, builds camaraderie of, uh, among your crewmates. Um, different crew members might have information that you might not have, whether it's about teams, coaches. Um, you know, something might have happened in one of their games. 
Um, and those are topics that I cover in a pregame. Uh, when you're working with new officials or officials that you're not necessarily familiar with, I think it's really important also to kind of go over some tendencies or uh, how you want to do typical uh, game operations or game management situations, right? Like, you know, are, are you quick to rotate or, you know, how, how do you handle this situation? How would you like to handle when we have a disqualified player you know a player gets their fifth foul and um you know in the state of ohio with with how we rotate in different things uh, i think it's important to cover those in a pregame because we can make every single call uh you know correct and we can call the game as close to perfect as we possibly can but in those moments where we're not smooth in uh communicating free throws or who's the free throw shooter um you know, those are points of your game that can really impact how it goes overall. So um, definitely when you're working with new people, I think it's really important to get to know each other um, and then also talk about those tendencies in different uh, game management situations. So that puts the end to our pregame, and we move on to our first quarter, and the first quarter is brought to you by PQ2 LLC and Matt Kearns. Hey, ref, this is Matt Kearns with PQ2 LLC. Call me to discuss your next injection molded plastic resin buy. You'll realize it was a great call. We've been in the plastics business for over 40 years and are thrilled to work closely with world-class customers and best-in-class domestic and global suppliers. You can expect complete transparency through every step of your polymer sourcing process. This year marks my 34th year of officiating basketball in the state of Ohio, and I'm sending my best wishes to you for a safe, successful, and fun year on the hardwoods. Hey, ref, click on www.pq-2.com. So the first quarter, we'd like to talk about coaches and communication. And uh, Hannah, I want to talk about some of the some of the most beneficial things that have worked for you in dealing with coaches? Definitely listening first. Um, most of the time, coaches just want to be heard. They want you to listen to what they have to say, um, and you don't always have to respond. I think that's the other big thing, too. Um, you know, a few lines or words that I like to use are, are okay, and, you know, Coach, I hear you. Um, like I said, they, most of the time, they, they just want to be heard. And I think a lot of times when we get in those situations with coaches, we, we want to be um, reactive. We want to, you know, tell them why we called what we called. But I think the biggest thing I've had to learn in my career and, and what has helped me is just to to listen um, and, and to limit your speech, limit the words that you have with a coach and, and only talk to them uh, when it's absolutely necessary and when things need addressed. Um, because we don't want to open that door uh, too often with coaches because then, you know, you might have a situation where we want to talk every single time up and down the floor. And, um, you know, at the end of the day, we're there to do a job and we have to officiate. And a lot of times if we are having to deal with the coach continuously every single time we're running down the floor, that takes away from our ability to, you know, officiate the game. So uh, definitely just listening and, and being uh, proactive in the words that I use and picking and choosing when um, I want to communicate with the coach. So what's the difference between a Hannah Keller basketball official in her second year of varsity officiating in dealing with coaches as opposed to the Hannah Keller of today? 
<laughs> oh, wow. Uh, I talk a lot less today uh, than I did back then. I think I, I came out kind of strong uh, in my officiating career, and, and I've been humbled quite a bit, you know, from my experiences and situations with coaches. Uh, but definitely, I, I just talk a lot less, and I, I listen more. Um, because at the end of the day, like I said, it's not about – what we're going to say we we've done what we've done we've called that foul we've called that travel we've you know managed the situation this way um and you know if the coach likes it doesn't like it what you know whatever happens uh, we have to work through that with them and then we have to move on and so um picking and choosing those battles i've i've learned to uh like i said pick and choose the conversations that i want to have and, and things that i need to address for what's best in the game situation and things that, you know, are not going to lead to anything good yeah. <laughs> at the end of the day. Are there any specific encounters with a coach that might help some of the officials that are listening here that you've had? I think that when when you're dealing with personalities, this is a, this is a people, uh, you know, profession, avocation. We're, you know, we're dealing with players. We're, we're managing um, the game and, and coaches, and there's a lot of moving parts and pieces, and I think – at the end of the day, you have to take that humanistic approach, right? That coach is passionate. He's fiery. He's, you know, he wants to be there for his kids. He wants them to know that, uh, you know, he's fighting for them. And he has to manage all of these things in the game, right? But there's one thing on that floor that he can't control, and that's you. Um, and, and the, you know, your other partner or your two other partners on the floor. And I really try to, to think about that when I'm interacting with coaches is, is we're all human. Um, and at the end of the day, they just want an answer. They want to get their point across, and they want to communicate that with you. Um, now, <laughs> approaches, like I said, can be different, and you can have different situations. But I would say that, um, you know, to, to from a standpoint of helping other officials, to, to always remember that. That at the end of the day, it's not an argument of who's going to win and lose. Um, it's just a communication that you have to work through. And if you can put tools in your toolbox, you know, we talk about our officiating toolbox. If you can put tools in your toolbox on how to manage those situations, um, and it, it can start with practice. I mean, I know when we, we work with the new officials, we try to help to prepare them for that. You know, um, you're, you're going to have confrontations with coaches. They're going to talk to you. They're going to yell at you about why you haven't called three seconds or, you know, whatnot. And working through those, maybe not – um, in kind of a, a role play setting with other officials or, you know, an association meeting or a class or whatnot. Um, but even just working through them in your head of some, like I talked about those kind of words or one liners that, that you can go to is kind of your conflict resolution, conflict management uh, situations, right. Or responses to what coaches have to say, they just have a statement and they want to be heard. You know, coach, I hear you. Uh, you know, that, 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 that girl's pushing on on every single rebound. Co- Coach, I hear you. I'll take a look. Um, or you know, do you, do you have a number? Or what happened here? Just just taking that understanding approach um, versus a combative approach. That's so true. And I loved what you said. A couple things that stood out. Uh, what you said here is is the one liners, and they're not zingers. They're one-liners, and it all comes back to that communication and being able to communicate professionally. And the other thing you mentioned is that it's not an argument, and you don't want to be the one that wins that argument, and that's not what it's all about. And so those are two great things uh, that I think in that segment that we can take out of what Hannah said. That was perfectly said, Hannah. I I really like that. 
So unrelated to coaches, uh, in the first quarter, uh, you're in the first quarter, and many of the things that you just talked about in the pregame nearly went unnoticed by your partner. You're probably not real happy. How do you deal with that at the end of the first quarter? And this is part of being a crew chief, I think, period. And, and I, I'm in different areas in the state. I um, work and do it differently. But um, some of the signers in my area, they'll specifically sign or, uh, sign a referee or a crew chief to a game. And um, I think we all kind of take that in stride and, and we um, – you know, we want to lead that game and, and be kind of that leader on the floor. I think um, what makes a good crew chief in that situation is being able to, to bring your crewmates in, right? Um, the things that you talk about in a pregame are extremely important. I think about communication. Um, so, for example, a situation that might happen at the end of the quarter, a last-second shot, right, to end, to end the quarter. Um, you know, did we communicate that correctly? And those are points in the game, you know, if we're not managing it correctly in the first quarter – how are we going to manage it in the last, the last, last second of the game, right? Um, you know, that can have a huge impact. So I think those times, uh, those kind of breaks that we have in quarters or during timeouts are really just quick, um, quick go-tos of, hey, you know, I think we could do, we could do a really good job. And, and that's another thing, too, is using the we term um, to your crew, right? Everyone out there. Um, you know, you're part of that crew and everything that you do reflects back on each other. And so we, we want to be the best crew, right? We want to be the best crew on the floor that night. Um, you know, we always talk about, you know, be the crew that no one wants to follow because you did such a good job, right? And um, taking that time and, and those kind of intermission points to just bring bring the crew back in. Hey, I, I noticed you, you didn't communicate on that free throw, you know, is everything okay? Did, did I miss something there? Okay, great. All right. Well, you know, from that, from here on out, I'll, I'll try my best to communicate with you. Can you, know, can you do that back um, for me and, and make sure we're all on the same page moving forward? Or, hey, let's make sure we're, we're bringing in these subs and really taking that crew approach, right? And it's not I or you. It's me. That's the end of the first quarter. Really good stuff, Hannah. Appreciate uh, all the comments. And uh, we're going to get ready to head to the second quarter. But the second quarter is brought to you by PQ2LLC. Hey, ref. Objectivity, integrity, and experience. All hallmarks of a quality basketball official. At PQ2LLC, we bring those traits and an unmatched passion for our customers' successful plastic application by being a one-stop shop for thermoplastic resins. Visit our website at www.pq-2.com. Real needs, practical solutions, and exponential results. PQ2 LLC. Second quarter. Welcome to the second quarter. We are going to talk about players and communication. Just a few questions in this segment. So what can you say about working with the players? What helps you the most in communicating with them throughout the game? Like I said before, just being personable. Um, you know, they, we don't have to be authoritarian figures all the time. Uh, and I think, you know, we're, we're dealing with young adults on the floor. I think it's, it's important to remember that they're young adults, but they're, they're you know, they're also kids, they're students. And, um, you know, really 
utilizing the leaders and uh, on the team, right? So you have captains for a reason, and that's something, you know, we talk about in, in a captain's meeting is, hey, you're captains for a reason, and if we have an issue with a member on your team, you know, we want, want you to be a part of handling that situation. And I think that's the biggest takeaway that, that I've learned in my career is just communication with players uh, in a positive light can go a long way in your game. Um, and it doesn't have to be, you know, anything crazy, but just let's say we have a headband that we need to address in the pregame. My approach and how I talk to that player about removing that headband sets the tone for the entire game, right, on how those players view um, how I'm com- communicating with them or how I'm going to address situations throughout the game. Uh, like I said before, we're, we're in a people business, right? And at the end of the day, we're all here for the game of basketball. And um, we need to do our part to make sure that we're creating a positive experience for those student athletes. And it, it all starts with that communication piece from the very start. Like I said, with the headband or in the captain's meeting, how we're interacting with uh, players, like I said, we don't need we don't need to be super serious all the time, uh, and we don't need to be this authoritative figure that uh, you know the, the black and white of the rule book, and we we rule the game with an iron fist, right? So we're people, and those students are there to have fun, um, and they you know they want to play the game that they love, and so really taking that um, positive approach and making sure that I'm making a, a pot creating a positive environment for those students from the get-go through my communication or through I, how I interact with them on the floor, whether we need to fix something or, uh, you know, you need help with a player or maybe there's a certain player that's being really physical, um, you know, in, in post-play and, and how you communicate with them and really take a positive approach. Yeah. And, and that was the next question. How do you commun- communicate with those players uh, in the post, maybe uh, even at, at the guard position, when you get the bumps, when you get the shoves, um, just to keep the the continuity going uh, throughout the game. I think it's super important to preventive officiate, and that's what I would call it. Um, you know, you want to do what's best for the game, and I think in those situations where we can help players get out of trouble and keep them in the game, um, especially when we have situations where. Um, you know, you you know if you've done some, some scouting before the game or you know have a little bit of information about teams. You know, we want to keep – you want good players to stay in the game. Um, you want all – I mean, you want all players to be able to stay in the game. But um, those situations where we can talk them through, uh, you know, what, yeah, whether it's a bump or there's some type of uh, contact in the post that is, is on the edge, right, just letting them know you're there is, is the biggest thing uh, because, you know, you don't want to yell, keep your hands up or don't push because that might turn into, well, they're pushing, you know, call foul. So just say, I'm here or stay legal, uh, kind of using those short, sweet words, <laughs> you know, hands when you're, you, you know, you're on front hands. Um, just to let players know you're there and you're watching, basically. And usually players will adjust. They'll adjust to the game you're calling. They'll adjust to, you know, your expectations. And that's that's really what I do. I just try to use those kind of short, sweet phrases um, to talk them through that uh, contact or situation before it becomes a foul or um, it gets worse to where, you know, you have to make uh, a call in, in one way or another. 
So you're at the end of the second quarter and the buzzer sounds and you guys are, your crew is standing at half court waiting for the teams to cross and the coaches to go to the locker room. But one coach or one player, depending, doesn't matter, they want to make sure that they have the final say to you as they go to the locker room. So let me ask you this. Are you listening or do you talk to them a little bit and handle the situation that way? Oh, absolutely. I'm listening. I think, I think most most officials would. Um, it's hard not to hear something like that um, unless you're in a super packed gym and you can't hear words that's coming out of their mouth. Uh, you know, in a situation where a coach is walking away, right? So you you have to take care of you know your end of game situation. The coach is walking away. You know, a simple coach. I hear you. You know, maybe maybe that's good enough. Uh, maybe they they just want to keep going. Um, in my opinion, in that situation, the coach really looks like the aggressor and you want to manage that situation, right? Because we, we don't want a coach screaming at the top of their lungs at the end of a quarter, especially if they want to talk to us. Um, in that situation, I think if you do have a really aggressive coach who just keeps going and going, um, just walking with them or towards them, coach, let's, you know, let's, let's go, let's take a step, step towards the door. Um, and, and working with your crew, communicating with your crew, I definitely think that um, you want to make sure that you're including your crew in those situations. We never want to be by ourselves uh, in one of those situations. And hopefully, um, you know, once the coach has their say and they know you've heard them, in my experience, usually they walk away. Um, but we also have to know when we need to walk away, when we need to handle our business, uh, taking care, you know, at the end of the half, uh, what are what our responsibilities are from an arrow standpoint or a possession arrow standpoint and then and you know is the clock running for halftime and uh whatnot then we need to walk away um but if there's a situation where we're going in the same direction or it's close and we can kind of have that com- conversation with the coach and we think we can help ease that that situation uh, i definitely think that it can be addressed then but unfortunately there are situations where you have to walk away um, and hope, and, and hopefully they will walk away. But um, because nothing good comes from screaming at each other across the court or across the gym. Exactly. Totally agree. And you've got hand gestures going and you've got shouting going. And anytime yeah. we can, we can uh, get out of there in, in somewhat of a peaceful way, it's a good thing. So let's take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll head to the third and fourth quarters, followed by post game. And the lighthearted five quick questions, or I know five, <laughs> and the lighthearted five quick decisions. Boy, I wish I could talk. We'll be right back. Hey, ref, this is Matt Kearns, and I'm honored and proud that PQ2 LLC is sponsoring my very good friend and former co-official Mark Fralick and the High School Basketball Referee Podcast. I love plastics manufacturing and making things happen in the world of engineering, resin, distribution, and compounding. But come on, there's nothing like game night. A packed gym, the place is rocking, and we leave the floor knowing our crew gave the players and coaches our best, right? I truly hope you enjoy these podcasts and thank you for your continued support of the High School Basketball Referee Podcast and PQ2 LLC. Tonight's tip, nobody came to see us officiate, so make sure the kids are the stars on game night. Hey 
Ever have a thought while you're listening to this podcast? Man, I really wished he would ask this specific question. Well, if there's a question that you would like to ask an official, let me know. Uh, send an email with your question to markfralick at hotmail.com. That's mark, M-A-R-K, F-R-O-E-L-I-C-H at hotmail.com. Please include your name and where you're from, and I will ask one of the officials in an upcoming episode uh, your question. Welcome back, and before we get to the third quarter, it is brought to you by PQ2 LLC. Hey, Ref, Rule 1, Section A, Article 3, in the Project Management Rulebook says trusting your business partner gives you the best chance to launch your new plastics project application. Make PQ2 LLC part of your crew on your next thermoplastic resin application. Call 330-888-9448 and ask for our in-house basketball official and owner, Matt Kearns. Our third quarter begins, and this is about officials, communications, crew dynamics. We talked a little bit about some of the things that happened before halftime. And Hannah, when you talk about coming out into the third quarter, we just had a discussion uh, at halftime. What are some of the things that we talk about at halftime that uh, maybe we can bring into the third quarter? Definitely the, the tone of the game um, and what, what you can expect from the, uh, you know, from the second half. Sometimes you get a good feel for how the game's going, the different defenses and offenses that teams are running. Maybe you've had a situation with the coach or, you know, you know what, how a coach is communicating and you can kind of talk through those things at halftime. And then also the biggest thing um, that I can think of that we want to take from halftime, our discussion at halftime, to the rest of the game are, you know, how are our game management situations going? Um, have we communicated effectively on free throws or when we're bringing in substitutes? Um, have we been rotating? Do we feel good about, you know, our rotations and are we in the best possible position to succeed? And are we putting our crew members there? Um, are we officiating plays correctly? So let's say we're having a lot of screens. Are we talking about, okay, how are we officiating those screens and, and what are you seeing? Um, and the next piece of that would be plays, right? So what are you seeing with different types of plays? Are, are, is there contact that we need to kind of buckle down on in the second half um, that we might not have called a lot of in the, in the first half, but it's, you know, towards the, the end of the half, it really got intense. So we want to make sure we buckle down in those different areas of our game and our play calling. Um, and, and really just, just being open to what the crew has to say, what concerns that they have, and then, you know, how those adjustments are going to affect the rest of the game. Yeah, not only is the halftime discussion crucial, but talk a little bit about how the during timeouts, how critical it is for the, the discussion during those timeouts, especially in a close game. Now, we know that during games that are not so close, we have a tendency maybe to ask each other what we're doing after the game or, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, other other things that we look at, but um, in especially in tight games, that discussion during timeouts uh, is a critical point in the game. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, absolutely. Especially uh, from a standpoint of 
plays that we might have had. Um, you know, we, we had a really tough block charge play, and, and I want to make sure I go communicate uh, with my or my partner standing there and communicate with my partner. Hey, you know that was a great call, or maybe if it's not a good call, or, and you can tell that they don't think that they made a good call. You know, being being there and, and being able to pick them back up and really making sure that. Um, our crewmates feel good in the situation that they're in. Um, if there's anything we need to talk about from the standpoint of uh, clock status, um, I know we're we're in the third quarter, <laughs> or uh, you know, but timeouts. But if there's there's some type of close situation that we're going to have, or maybe we have an out of bounds uh, play that, that we're coming out of, right, or a press situation, um, you know, talking to each other about how we're going to cover that. And uh, you know, make, making sure that we're, like I said, in the best possible position um, to referee that play, and then anything that might have happened prior to that timeout that we need to address. So during the game, if we had something happen, and then say, hey, catalog that. Let's talk about that at the next dead ball. So in the third quarter, we're talking about officials here, and I can't get over the fact you're 25 years old talking in such a <laughs> Uh, just such an experienced official with a lot of the things that you're saying, really, really impressive. So as you look at your career, again, we're talking 25 years old, what advice, and this is kind of funny, would you have for young officials, you're still young, but what uh, advice would you have for officials your age moving from the lower levels up to varsity? Yeah, I I would say too, you know, Mark, when I I think of um, young officials, I, I really try to keep the newer idea in mind too. Um, this from the standpoint of, you know, I, I am young, you're right. Um, but I have worked with a lot of awesome young officials. You know, when I walk out on the floor and my partners are uh, older, we'll, we'll say in age wise than me, no matter what I do in any given situation, uh, my b- believability is going to be less than them because I am younger. And I think it's a society thing. I think it's a cultural thing. Um, but, you know, we, we're all here to, to do a job and we all um, have different experiences. You know, I can be a 15-year official, but in reality, I only have two years of experience because I haven't done the work to get into the book. I haven't been to camps. I haven't, you know, found a mentor. I haven't surrounded myself um, with the the people who can make me better and push me to be better. Um, and so moving from kind of a lower level to, to varsity the thing I would say is, is do the work. It's going to be tough. Um, you're going to drive, you know, crazy distances to work games. And um, and I think that those levels that you work, they make you better, right? Um, I wasn't ready my, my fourth year probably to step on a varsity basketball court, right? Um, in true prime, you know, readiness. But – uh, sometimes the game gives you those opportunities and, and you have to make the most, the most of them. And, and those situations will come. So, you know, do the work and do everything that you can to make yourself better um, and, and be a sponge. Uh, absolutely soak up as much as you possibly can and be really open-minded and willing to learn. I think that's the biggest thing that I see um, with newer officials and uh, officials that are trying to move up is – uh, you know, they they don't ask questions. They don't want to get better, um, or or they think they're already at a level where they don't need to ask those questions. Always ask those questions. Be open minded and, and show people that you are willing to learn. You're willing to listen, and you want to get better. Tell me about some of the officials 
and I don't, obviously we're not going to put names in here, but tell me about some of the officials that you probably have had to deal with as a young official with a lot of experience, but you go to a game and you are not looked upon that way by some of the officials that have maybe more years under their belt. But you know very well that you can go out and officiate the game very well. How do you handle that lack of respect? I think every single time we step on the floor, we have to prove ourselves in one way or another. Whether it's to our partners, whether it's to the coaches, whether it's the players, um, you want to hold yourself to a higher standard, right? And um, sometimes the people that you are working with don't necessarily see that right away. Uh, one of the experiences that I had when I first moved to Dayton, um, working a junior high game, and no, no one knew me, right? Uh, I'm new to the area, new to refereeing in that area, and I worked with a guy in a junior high game. We had a, a situation where we had a team control foul, and he had been uh, talking to the coach. You know, he was real negative to me before the game, didn't say much. Uh, you know, of course, asked me how long I've been doing it, how old I was. Um, and then he was talking to the coach, the eighth grade coach, where they had a seventh, eighth grade game, talking to the eighth grade coach, and I could hear what he was, he was talking about me, you know, that he didn't know where I had come from. And he'd never seen me before. Um, so we had a, a situation where offense is dribbling the ball, defense hits it away, offense pushes defense. We had team control foul, right? Um, and so, he wanted to, and they were in the bonus. So he says, hey, you know, we're, we're lining up to shoot free throws. And I said, wait a second, we, we don't shoot free throws. It's a team control foul. And he got real close to me and he said, I don't know who you think you are or what you're trying to do, but we're shooting free throws. Wow. I said, okay, we'll shoot free throws, right? And, you know, thankfully I, I had a mentor. I called him after the game. Like, hey, I think this is right. You know, I wasn't wrong in my, in my ruling. Uh, and he said, no, you're going to run across people like that. And, uh, you, you just have to do your best and do what's right for the game. Um, and know basically know when to manage those situations and when not to. And, you know, that, that was just a junior high game, but I think about, you know, if you're in a varsity game or a situation like that, and it's a game altering situation, you know, you have to stick up for yourself and trust in, trust your knowledge, trust your game knowledge. And, um, your rules knowledge and be willing to put yourself out there and get it right. I think that trying to prove yourself in those situations is really hard, but I have learned that you just have to let your actions and what you do speak for themselves. Um, you know, I've really tried to be strong in my mechanics and strong in what, um, you know, my presence on the floor. And I think things like that can go a long way when you're working with new officials that might not know you. I mean, just finding ways to be open and, and pull them in uh, and let them learn about you as an official, as a person, and, and being open to what they have to say. It might not always be right, <laughs> right? But uh, being open to what they have to say and kind of digest that and be able to uh, kind of have a dialogue with them in hopes that at the end of the day, what you did and your work uh, proves itself. That puts the end to the third quarter. And before we start the fourth quarter, Matt Kearns would like to tell you this. Hey, ref, the fourth quarter is crunch time. With the outcome of the game in the balance, 
a hoops official's greatest assets are experience, knowledge, and game management skills. And when that final buzzer sounds and we return to the locker room for our post-game debrief, we know we've done our best. When it comes to plastic resins, PQ2 LLC brings the same experience, knowledge, and management skills to every client engagement. Our observations are focused, our solutions are practical, and our results are exponential. Check us out at www.pq-2.com to learn how we've earned our stripes. So we begin the fourth quarter, and I want to have a variety of questions in the fourth quarter. Nothing's totally specific, but uh, when you look at officiating, Hannah, what do you gain from it professionally, uh, in your, and maybe even in your personal life? Definitely communication, <laughs> conflict resolution <laughs> skill. Uh, you know, when you're working with, uh, you know, in, in a game situation and kind of working through how you resolve conflict, uh, that can go personally and professionally <laughs> in your relationships or in your job. <laughs> um, and then stress management for me is another big one. I had someone ask me one time, "What do you, you know, what do you do at work when your hair's on fire?" And it's, it's like, how do you explain to someone that's not an official that, you know, you, you've been in way more stressful situations than, you know, just dealing with a busy day. Um, and so definitely kind of managing those, those stressful situations. And then also, I think having a big picture mentality and understanding that, um, you know, we, we are part of something bigger than ourselves and it's not always just about us and what we're doing, but what we do has a greater impact on, um, you know, whether it's our family or our community or our country or state or our world, um, the same way goes in officiating. What we're doing has a bigger impact uh, on the game of basketball itself and, and the impact we have on the lives of those student athletes and the, the other officials we work with as well. So you had a relatively short career, but is there a scariest thing that's ever happened to you on the court or maybe off the court? Oh, injuries um, for student athletes are always scary. Uh, you know, I thankfully have never had a situation where uh, a partner of mine has been in a situation. But unfortunately, you know, I've dealt with fans that have been very scary, <laughs> you know, whether it's being uh, chased off of the court, uh, followed into the parking lot after a football game and, and being screamed at, Um I remember when I first started, I was at Minster Junior High, and a kid, a, a, a junior high boy had, I think it was seventh grader, had drove into the lane, and he ran into another kid, and, and it was just kind of like a, a train wreck. Nothing really crazy, just the kid was out of control, and he, he fell and hit his head. Um, and then during the eighth grade game, I was standing on the baseline, and someone grabbed me, you know, grabbed my shoulders. I looked around and it was, I, I'm pretty sure it was the kid's mom. And she looked at me, she said, look what you've done. Oh my you know, God. and her kid was standing there. He must have had like an ice pack on his head. And I just looked there and I'm like, you know, here I am, 17, 18. And, you know, that, I, that was, and I know that's really not that scary. But uh, in the moment I was thinking, who, you know, that person just, you know, grabbed me. And I'm standing here on the basketball court. So, uh, 
uh, yeah, unfortunately, probably the scariest situations I've been in have been with fans, uh, whether it's, yeah, like I said, being, you know, you get chased off the quarter, followed in a parking lot, and you have, you know, profanity screamed at you and your partners. It's, um, it can definitely get scary. Yeah, getting grabbed by a, a fan, that uh, <laughs> that's scary enough right there. It, it, it did scare me because I was officiating, you know, and someone grabbed me, who, who is, you know, trying to get my attention right now? But, um, yeah, it was interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so when you look at uh, your career so far, what are some of the games that you remember most? I, I think probably um, the first, you know, your first, your first in officiating, you know, the first game I ever worked, first technical I ever gave. Oh, let's um, hear about that. Uh, I remember I almost broke my hand because I, you know, was was frustrated. We had a situation where a player had come onto the court. um, I think it was in my first year, and this coach just wouldn't just going ballistic. She was, you know, halfway on the court, and I just remember looking at my partner, thinking, "Are you? How are we going to handle this?" And I thought, "I'm going to have to give her a technical." I remember, you know doing a technical and I look and I'm like dang that really hurt my hand you know I need to figure out how to do that correctly without so much emotion uh you know because it, like I said it was my first year and I hadn't been in a situation like that before so um it was definitely one to remember but uh and, and the coach apologized afterwards which is always nice but um so, yeah so a lot of the first and then um you know some, some tournament games that I've worked that you know they really stick out in my mind from the standpoint of uh, just the atmosphere. Uh, you know, I, I got to work in front of the biggest crowd I've ever worked in in front of this past year, and I I don't I couldn't hear my first whistle I had of the game. Um, I don't even you know remember I think the ball going in the air just because the adrenaline and and different things like that. Um, and so definitely being in those intense game situations are always memorable. And then the people I've worked with, uh, you know, like, like I talked about working with my dad and uh, a couple of my other mentors, um, you know, I got to work my first college game with Jeff and that was really cool because, you know, like I said, he was there in the beginning running up and down the floor with me, uh, telling me when to blow my whistle. And then, um, you know, I get to work, work at another level with him. So, um, definitely those, those first and kind of those, the situations where you get to really reflect on your career and, and the people that have had an impact on you. Yeah, and so you mentioned Jeff's name again. That's another caramel apple cider from from Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> so that puts to rest our fourth quarter. You got through all four quarters, and now we're going to head to the post game. And post game is brought to you by Matt Kearns and PQ2 LLC. Hey, ref, good game. When a coach or player acknowledge your effort at the end of a contest, it can make the difference between a fun ride home or one where you're questioning every call you made in total silence. In business, it's no different when the customer values your performance and takes the time to let you know. Visit www.pq-2.com forward slash about to read customer testimonials and then call us at 330 888 
888-998-9448 to discuss your next plastic application needs. Never ride home wondering if you made the right call. So our post game is uh, here and some of the best parts of officiating, as most of us know, is the really the brother and the sisterhood and, you know, the drive to the games, the drive after the game, the post game destination. So talk to us a little bit, Hannah, about some of those things. You're young. You probably really enjoy the post game festivities. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So although you you finished college, so, you know, maybe it's old now. I don't know. But uh, talk to us about (laughs) talk to us about the post game and, and the brother and sisterhood of officiating. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's it's just constantly an ongoing conversation. I feel like uh, with officiating, you always have someone to talk to. Um, you always have someone to lean on. I mean, my current partner, he's an official. Uh, so, you know, we, we find solace in each other. We support each other. Um, and I think that, that it, you're, you're right. It, it truly is a brotherhood and a, and a sisterhood. You don't uh, – people outside of it, sometimes they get it and sometimes they don't, right? They don't understand why – you want to spend so many nights away from home. They don't understand why you want to get screamed at, you know, day in and day out. Um, and I think, you know, finding that support system and being a part of something like this where we're all trying to get better, you know, we want uh, each other to succeed. Um, we want to be, you know, we want to make the game of basketball better. We want to bring people into this because it's awesome. <laughs> and, uh, you know, Mark, I, now that I think about it, I probably worked one of my first um, games, varsity games with you uh, way back when, you know, I, I can't even remember. It might have been like at Lipstick High School or something. But um, I remember that I well. The JV game and you worked the varsity game. But just, just situations like that where you make lifelong connections. I mean, I talked about Nursa. And, you know, I, I know officials from all different states. Um, and you know, we, we still communicate, we support each other, we talk to each other. Um, and you know, it's always nice to have someone to kind of talk through plays, but also talk about life. Uh, and I think that's one thing that you really get out of the officiating community. And one thing I'm definitely proud of, um, from the standpoint of the camaraderie and, and just, uh, being there for each other. I remember that at Lipsick very well. And, you know, you talk about officials that have that it factor and and I could see that right away with you. And it's, it's been great to watch you continue to and grow to continue to grow in your journey. So it's, um, that's what makes this brother brotherhood and sisterhood fantastic about officiating. and, And I like that. So with that said, what's the best advice that you have received from an official? And, and if you say Jeff Klaus again, that's another caramel apple cider. (laughs) uh oh wow i have just patience probably patience is the biggest thing um be patient and just continue to work keep putting in the work keep putting in the work um you know i i have taken and other officials will, will probably can probably say this too you know we watch each other and we see different things that um each other does that we want to bring into our game and we take, you know, from what they do into our game. Uh, and I think that, you know, from a standpoint of, of, uh, you know, advice and, and different things like that, it's, it's been all over the place. <laughs> I mean, from, 
from the game to, you know, how to handle the signers, how to handle certain partners. Um, but the biggest thing that, that I can think of, especially, you know, young, being young um, and, and then younger in my career, um, just be patient. That is the end of post game, And we are now headed to the five quick decisions. And we'll be right back with that. Until then, let's hear from PQ2LLC. Hey, Ref. PQ2LLC is proud to be the thermoplastic resin company that dares to be different. Call Matt Kearns at 330-888-9448 and ask what makes PQ2LLC different. Official site relationships within the community of basketball officials as a huge reason why we take the floor each game night year after year. PQ2 LLC brings the same passion you have in the locker room to every client relationship we've built over the years. Five quick decisions are here. Are you ready for this, Hannah? All right, Bring here we go. Yeah, here they come. Best food that you've had at a basketball game or football or any of you, because, you know, you look at what you've done. You've done basketball, football, <laughs> softball, so we could, and, and women's college basketball. So what's the best food you've had at a game? I would say Tecumseh High School has one of the best concession stands ever. Um, I've had a really good walking taco at a game, and then Chick-fil-A is always a good one, whatever, you know, a concession stand has it. Yeah, I think you're the second one that has said Chick-fil-A. And I, I get, uh, I remember we got Chick-fil-A at a game. That, that You're right. That's a perfect, perfect thing if Chick-fil-A's in town to have that because I don't think I've had a bad meal there uh, at Chick-fil-A. So that's good. Okay, what's the funniest thing a player or a coach has ever said to you? I, I don't have any that stick out in my mind with, um, basketball, but I, I had a player in football, you know, he was complaining to me that, um, that another player was calling him a name and I just looked at him and said, man, that's, you know, that's all he could come up with. <laughs> and he's like, oh, yeah, you're, you know, you're right, ref. And then his buddy was laughing at him about it. Um, I mean, it, it was just funny. His, I guess his reaction was funnier than what he actually said, but, um, <laughs> It was pretty good. <laughs> so what do you think is the one rule that you would change in high school basketball? Oh, I, I would probably say the uniforms, that we have to be the uniform you know, police when it comes to managing uniforms. I like um, that. I like that I don't, a lot. I mean, I think the rest of the rules fit the high school game of basketball relatively well. Yeah, the uniform police. I get you. That I'm with you on that one. I like that a lot. Um, okay, jump ball. Do you like it at the circle? Do you like the alternating possessions? Do you like a coin flip to begin the game? What do you think? I, I like the jump ball. It adds a level, I think, of suspense and excitement. Um, and, you know, some teams, they put a lot of strategy in the, in the jump ball situation, depending on the type of personnel they have. So I definitely would keep it. All right, last question. Last question. You get to make the decision on what to do with the three-point line, Hannah. They came to you and they said, Hannah Keller, you get to make this decision. Do you leave it at 19-9? Do you move it back further? Or do you eliminate the three-point shot altogether? 
I am going to say I'm going to leave it because um, it has to be a difference in, in levels of basketball from from college to pro. Uh, I think since college has moved it back, if there if high school is looking to move it back, that would be justified. But um, I, I definitely think there has to be a difference in, in in levels that we have. So I would probably leave it at this standpoint. All right. Well, I want to thank Hannah Keller for taking the time out today to join the High School Basketball Referee with Mark Freilich podcast. It's been a great time, Hannah. I appreciate all of the great insight that you have had to to provide for us, and I hope we can do this again sometime. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much, Mark. If you recall, Hannah said that she was only five foot two inches tall, but boy, She made some tall statements, and it was a joy to have her on the show. I hope you enjoyed the show. I just ask that you please share this episode with others. And also, on your specific podcast platform, could you please rate this podcast and post your own review? I would really appreciate that. Until next time, be safe, stay healthy, and God bless.